This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, good morning, Coastal. How's everybody doing this morning? Okay, I'm going to do like Pastor TJ does. How is this side doing this morning? Let's hear from the middle section. Now, Susie's on this side, so let me hear it. Let's see. Let's hear this section. All right. Well, good morning. Hey, my name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here at Coastal. Um, I'm excited to be up here with you guys today. Uh, Pastor TJ's taking a little break, but I want to thank Pastor TJ for giving me the opportunity, one, to kick off this new series that we're so excited about, Heroes, Ordinary People, ex- Extraordinary God. I like this because... We're, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a couple. We're going to take a look at a couple of different people, and they're really they're really no different than you and I, ordinary people, but they were marked by God, an extraordinary God, to do amazing things. And these people, these biblical heroes that we look at, these heroes of the faith, man, they had the same struggles that we had, the same fears, the same failures that we had. These people were no different than you and I. And today, I get to talk about one of my favorite. Biblical heroes, my man, Joseph. Now listen, if you grew up in the church, you probably have heard Joseph's story many times. Joseph, the coat of many colors. He was the first person to ever rock cross colors. Some of you in here might know what cross colors is. Some of you might not know what cross colors is. Google it, okay? Look, he was one of the first ones to set a fashion trend of cross colors. But he was also his dad's favorite. He was the baby of the family. Now Joseph was a pop's favorite, and his brothers didn't like him because of this. Now, can you imagine if you're the 11th born son, you've got 10 other brothers, they're out in the field working, and here comes your youngest brother who you don't like already. Your dad sends him out to check up on you while you're doing work, and here he comes skipping along. Hey, guys. How's your work going? I'm just telling, I know me. If my little brother came up to me and I'm out there working hot, in the sand, the sun, I'm hungry, I, I'm always hungry, and I'm thirsty, and I'm just not, I'm not feeling that. I'm, I'm probably going to take an aggressive type of movement with my little brother. You get what I'm saying? So how many can agree if your little brother come check up on you, you might, it might not be a good thing. <laughs> Amen. Well, Joseph, man, he was, a, he was a fun guy, man. I like Joseph. I can relate to Joseph. I think a lot of us can relate to Joseph. And we're going to look at, if Joseph was with us today, what would he tell us? What would Joseph tell us? We could pick up his story in Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 11. His, his dream, his story starts there. It says, Joseph had a dream, and we told it to his brothers. They hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Let's pause right there for a second. If my little brother tells me, you're about to bow down to me, we're going to have some problems. Probably wasn't the best way to go about it. Check this out. Keep reading. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream and what he had said. But Joseph didn't learn. <laughs> Joseph was, you know, kind of like me, a little slow learner. You know, we're, we're trying to pick it up here. Then Joseph had another dream, and he did, he did what? He told it to his brothers again. He said, he said listen. I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. 
when he told this to his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this matter in mind. Again, it probably wasn't the best way to go ahead and tell somebody about your dream. Um, how many sports fans do we have out there? The rest of you guys, I'm going to pray for you. You need some revelation in your life. You know, football season about to start up. I'm excited about football. I love football. I understand the football. When I watch football, I'm like, That's, I know that coverage, man. I know that scheme. I study it. I'm kind of a freak. My wife thinks I'm a little nuts when I watch football, but I love me some football. And when football is not on, I go through a little bit of a withdrawal. I have this void that needs to be filled. So I start searching through the channels for some kind of football-related type of information, and I don't find anything, and I end up watching other things. Now, the reason why I like football is because I understand it. Now, now I understand track and field. I, I know that if this guy or this girl gets from point A to point B faster than the other person, they won. I get that. They get the medal. I even understand golf. I mean, like, if you, if you hit a birdie shot, that's like, you know, one shot below the allotted holes that you get, the strokes, you know. If you get a good birdie, the person with the lowest score wins the round, and if you keep winning rounds, you win the championship, right? I even understand basketball a little bit. If you rebound the basketball and not get out-rebounded like 40 to 20 <clears throat> Miami Heat, you might win the basketball game. We're still going to pray for them. It's intervention. There was a little minor setback last night. That's all right. Heat NBA championships. If you're a Laker fan, a Boston fan, it's time to go. Anyway, I understand all that. Sit down. I understand all that. <laughs> but what I don't understand is gymnastics. I get confused watching gymnastics. I don't get why this tumbler got an 8.79 and this tumbler got an 8.72. They did the exact same flip and landed the exact same way. They got, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't. I just, it's cool, whatever. It's not fair to me. I'm a little slow. I'm catching up. But, ladies, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Us guys, we're not really that crazy when we're watching sports. So if your man goes in to his closet and he's watching a round of golf and he puts on some khakis and a polo shirt, he's not crazy. It's just our way of participating. If your man goes in and grabs a baseball bat and holds it while he's watching the Marlins, if anybody even still watches the Marlins, it's just his way of participating. It's his way of connecting, okay? I fell victim to this. I love football, as I said. If, if your man goes into his closet and grabs the football and throws the football across the room and nobody's there and he runs and gets his, his football and says, that's just his way of being a quarterback. That's the way he, his, his way of engaging in the game. He's not crazy. He's just passionate. So when we watch football or sports, we feel like we have to participate because we're inspired. Now, I fell victim to this not too long ago. My wife and I, we were on a plane going somewhere, and you know those little TVs on the back of the headrest? I, I, I was looking for some kind of football-related type information. Couldn't find anything. So I ended up watching this 80-year-old man running. Well, doesn't sound too intriguing. But as the story went on, I found out this 80-year-old man, this is like his 20-something consecutive Ironman. This is pretty awesome. 80 years old, he's running Ironman. They were doing a feature on him. I got inspired. I caught a dream. I leaned over to my wife. Babe, 
2013, Hawaii, Iron Man, I'm doing it. You couldn't tell me anything different. Now, if you don't know what an Iron Man, let me break it down what an Iron Man is. It's not a superhero. <laughs> Iron Man is a, it first starts off with a 2.4 mile swim. Then you get right out of the water, jump on your bicycle, ride 112 miles on your bicycle. Can you say sore behind? And then you get off your bicycle, put on your shoes, and you run 23.2 miles, whatever the, the marathon distance is. That's a long way. Well, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was going to do it. So what I do, get on my bike. I ride on my bike, hit 12 miles. I got this. I'm in great shape. I crossfit. Take off, get off my bike, put my shoes on, run three miles, feeling good. I look like a gorilla, but I'm still feeling good. I got this. I'm in great shape. But I was worried about the next thing in my dream, that swim. Well, I went out, got a little motivated, got some goggles, some earplugs. Thank the Lord I didn't buy no Speedo. But I got everything else. So I run down to the beach thinking I'm going to be cool, looking like David Hasselhoff. <laughs> you know, jump in the water. Now, if you guys watched the Olympics this past year, you guys know who Michael Phelps is, right? This guy makes swimming look so easy. He's in the water stroking. He comes up with that perfect breath. <sighs> he goes back down, looks all good, flips off the wall, turns and goes. When I dived into the water, it didn't look pretty. It was like a beach whale trying to gasp for air. I dive in the water, I'm at like four strokes in. And I don't realize that as I'm coming up for my Michael Phelps breath, I swallow a whole bunch of salt water. I'm like, <laughs> I get up, I'm splashing around in the water. People looking at me, I'm like in waist deep water, like, save me! You know, it wasn't pretty. I begin to realize that my dream didn't match my reality. And I think we can look at Joseph's life. And we can see that, that his dream didn't match his reality. And how did he respond in those moments? What would Joseph say to us today, to those of you who have a dream but it doesn't match your reality? It was a bad day for Joseph, man. He had this dream that God gave him. He knew that he was convinced that God gave him this dream. He was enthusiastic about it. He wanted to tell everybody about it. So he went and told his brothers. His brothers basically looked at him and said, you're an idiot. He went and told his dad. His dad said, hey, boy, shut up. <laughs> Be quiet. Go check on your brothers. And when he is going to check on his brothers, they say, here comes that dreamer. And they plot to kill him. They throw him into a pit. They go ahead and sell him to some gypsies. He's now a slave. It was a bad day for Joseph. Can you agree with me on that? Now, I think when Joseph was in that pit, he probably wasn't singing like kumbaya. I'm just saying, it's not, that doesn't say anything in the Bible about that. But I can guarantee you, when he got thrown in the pit, he probably like, I'm not singing kumbaya. And I think in his most holy and anointed and, and beautiful voice, like Pastor Jeremy Lewis, he probably said, are you kidding me? Lord, like you got to show up and tell me something. So I think Joseph had a moment, man. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. You may have had a dream to start a business because this business was going to finance a lot of missions and, and the church and all this stuff, but you couldn't find the financing to do it. Or maybe you did. Maybe you got the financing. But this, this, this business went bankrupt and you felt discouraged. Or maybe, maybe you had a dream to start up a ministry, but you can't even get people to come to your connect group. Maybe it was your dream to marry that person. 
but yet they married somebody else. That's a problem. It's kind of like, gosh, you know, what are you, what are you trying to tell me here? So I think a lot of us, we got to look at what Joseph would tell us. I think if Joseph was with us today, he would, he would scream out to us, don't be discouraged. Hold on. Don't stop. Don't give up. I think there's five things that we can learn from Joseph's life. The first thing Joseph would tell us, don't give up on your dreams, even if those closest to you don't support you. This is pretty crucial because I remember when I was 16 years old, when, you know, I gave my heart to the Lord and said, come in my life and change me. I knew something dramatically changed in my life. I knew that Christ did something in me. It was going to be different. So I was excited about this new change in my life, and I wanted to tell everybody that I met about this Jesus that changed my life, about the Bible, about the Word of God. I didn't know anything about the call in the ministry or call to preach or any of that stuff. I, I, I didn't know that. I was a new Christian. But I remember going to somebody who was close to me and telling them, hey, uh, I, I have this desire to really tell people about, about the Bible, and I'm, I'm excited about this change in my life. And I'll never forget the words that they said to me. Terry? I give you three months, and you'll be right back to what you were doing. That hurt. I felt rejected. I was upset. I didn't know how to take it. And you got to realize that sometimes your dream that God gives you is too audacious for somebody else to understand. I don't think you heard me. Sometimes the dream that God gives you is too audacious for somebody else to understand. Because each one of you in this place is marked by God. You were called by God. You are called to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. So when somebody that's close to you doesn't believe in your dream, it's time to keep rolling. Jesus says, take the dust off your feet and keep stepping. Just keep on going. Joseph, man, Joseph faced massive rejection. Even Jesus, Jesus faced massive rejection. We can see this in Mark chapter, chapter 6, verse 3 through 4. It says, it says, then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary. And the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and, and Simon and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown among his relatives and his own family. Here's a man, Jesus, laying hands on people, people getting healed, set free. He's talking about the kingdom of God and, and his own family and people around him in his own neighborhood are like, this dude's crazy. And sometimes when we're rejected over and over and over and over again, we feel exhausted. And that exhaustion is rooted in rejection. But I love, I love this. I, I, think, I think you guys got to, I want to tell you guys something. Don't listen and buy into the lie that you're inadequate. Because none of you in here are inadequate. Everybody in here is worth it. That's why Jesus did what he did on the cross. Because everybody in here is worth it. I love what Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16 says, it says, For you created my, in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We can't buy into that lie that you're inadequate. I think Joseph would scream that to us. I think the second thing Joseph would tell us would be, don't give up on your dream, even if your journey is full of surprises. 
I don't know if you guys know or maybe you have heard by now. Um, Pastor Rick Warren, one of the heroes of our faith in today's generation, one of the most influential Christian leaders. Here's a man who's given his life to commit it to the gospel, to raise up churches, to raise up leaders. And all of a sudden, as he's preparing his message for the Easter holiday, he sends it off to, the, to his people to get the, get the notes put together, and then he gets a phone call that his son took his own life. Life is going to throw you surprises. Now, I pray that none of us have a tragic surprise like that. But your journey, I'm going to give you a big revelation today, okay? Your journey never goes from point A to point B to point C to point D. If you don't get anything, that's going to set you free today, okay? I remember when I was 16 years old, I knew that I wanted to talk about the Bible. My journey didn't look like I thought it was going to look like. Here I am, I thought I was going to go to college to play football, and all of a sudden I get hurt my senior year, lost, lose all these offers for scholarships. I'm like, what do I do now? Okay, this is a negative thing in my life. Then I end up going to Bible college. But in order to get to Bible college, I applied to like a whole bunch of different colleges, and I got one, one acceptance letter. That should tell you something about my student um, abilities back in the day. But I got one acceptance letter. I ended up going to North Central, met my wife. It was a good thing. It's a great thing. She keeps me in line. I met my wife there. But here's the thing. Now I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to graduate from Bible college. I'm going to go start a church, okay, and I'm going to preach. I'm going to pastor, do all this stuff. But my journey didn't look like that. Here I am, two years in the Bible college. The Lord leads me out, says, I want you to go to the Marine Corps. I end up going to the Marine Corps. Now, Marine Corps... Bible college. I don't think you can get too opposite than that. <laughs> so I'm in the Marine Corps, spent five years. I'm over in Iraq, and I'm thinking like, Lord, okay, um, when am I going to get to do this thing that you put on my heart when I was 16 years old? Sometimes your dream and your journey go, looks like it's going in opposite directions. But let me tell you something. Those are the moments where God is pruning you. He's building your character. Those are the moments when it feels like, man, I don't think you're with me. I don't think you hear me. Those are the moments that God is with you. So now, now I'm in the Marine Corps, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to move to Florida. I'm going to start all over again, and this is where I'm going to get involved in ministry and do this stuff. Well, I ended up going into real estate. Well, okay, Bible college, Marine Corps, real estate. Still not looking like it's supposed to. <laughs> so I'm selling real estate down here. Next thing you know, a door opens up. God opens a door for me. But it's in those moments that God was showing me and building me and training me and equipping me. And it's like Joseph. Joseph had some events that took place in his life that if, if he would have just given up at that time, he would have missed the dream that God gave him. Look at this. Joseph had nine different events that happened in his life. First thing, Joseph, Joseph had, had a dream, right? He told it to his family. His family misunderstood him. It's kind of a negative event. Wouldn't you say, like, hey, we're going to sell you now. <laughs> nice dream, buddy. Get out of here. <laughs> then he was sold into slavery to some gypsies in a foreign land, didn't really know anything. Now, can you imagine if, if you went to a foreign land, not really knowing what's going on in the first place, and you got to learn this language, you know, and you really don't, you're just confused already. That's probably not a good place to be. Then, here's a positive Joseph is given favor in Potiphar's house. Potiphar said, hey, man, you can have anything you want, but don't touch her. But Potiphar's wife, 
She's scandalous. It's like, oh, he's fine. <laughs> he is so good looking. I like me such outside. He is fine. The Bible says that Joseph was a good looking young man. So here it is. Joseph, a man of integrity, a man of character. Joseph is trying to get out of there. Potiphar's wife was like, Shush, get over here, like in Mortal Kombat. And he's running. He's like, no. Ah. He gets thrown into prison. Doesn't make sense. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's honoring the man, his leadership, and his life. He's denying Potiphar's wife, walking in integrity, walking in character. And then he's put into prison and accused of rape. Friends, I want to encourage you. Where you are is not who you are. Where you are is not who you are. See, Joseph was in prison, and he was accused of rape, but he was neither one of those. He was neither a prisoner or a rapist. And I think some of you got to realize that you can't define who you are by the successes and failures you have in life. Some of you might have a successful business, or you might have a business that failed. You can't define yourself by that. Some of you might be financially stable, and some of you might not be. You can't define yourself by that. Some of you might have a successful ministry. Maybe you don't. You cannot define yourself by that. You have to define yourself by what the Word of God says you are and who you are. Amen? So it's kind of interesting because Joseph, all these events, and it's kind of, you know, Joseph had twice as many negative moments as he did his positive moments. And I think he would tell us, and I think he would beg you, when you have those negative moments, don't give up. I think that's what he would beg you. Why wouldn't you give up? Well, I think for the same reason Joseph didn't get up. Because in those darkest moments, in the pit moment, in the prison moment, that's where Joseph found favor with God. It wasn't always in the palace moments. In those dark moments, those hard moments, that's where Joseph found favor. And I think if you ask anybody that's going through hard time, very rarely will they tell you that my life changed because I hit the lottery. (laughs) You know, they're going to tell you my life changed because I was in the pit, man. It was hard. I felt alone. I knew I needed to make a change. This is when God really got a hold of me. And it's those moments we feel like God can't hear us. It's in those moments when we feel like God doesn't understand us, that his favor, his grace is on you. His grace is for you. His grace will get you through it. Amen? It's those moments we can't neglect. Because if God calls you to it, guess what? He's going to see you through it. All right? Romans 8.28 says this. And we know that in all things, God works for those, the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So whether you're in that pit moment, that prison moment, or that palace moment, all things, all things, each stage of your life is going to work for those who love God. Don't stop believing in what God has given you because you are not inadequate. You are marked by God. The third thing I think Joseph would tell us, Don't give up on your dream, even if it didn't start off too well. I think a lot of us, including me, I think we we allow the resume of our past to dictate our future. I think a lot of us carry these burdens of who we used to be or something we just did that we shouldn't have done. And we allow this this resume of our past to keep reminding us. And and the, the enemy is good at getting in your ear. Man, if they only knew what you did, if they only knew who you really were, you're not really that good. You're not really 
uh, that talented. You, you haven't really been called by God. You, you, you just think you should. You're not really equipped for that. See, the enemy's job, like John 10.10 says, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come to give you life and to give it to you the fullest. So understand that just because the enemy's whispering in your ear, understand that you got to look forward and not worry about the resume of your past because once it's done, it's done. Jesus said, it's finished. It's finished. And I think a lot of us, we, we try to carry this burden and we have to continue to do more to prove that God is forgiving me. I got to do this. I got to pray longer. I got to read more chapters of the Bible. And we get into this whole thing of trying to perform this grace thing when Jesus said, look, look, I finished. I finished it. I'm done. It's done. You don't have to carry this burden anymore. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So I think some of us in here, we got to realize that we have to let go of our past and let God begin to work in our hearts. Amen? I love what Paul says. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. We can't give up because we got to know that God has a plan to prosper us, not to harm us. If he's called you to it, he's going to get you through it. I love what Psalms 103 says. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions for us, from us. Earlier in first service, I, I, I told him, I said, I really felt when I was praying and, and getting this message ready, there were some people that really battled with this, this thought that, man, I can't let go of my past. And I think some of you in here are carrying this heavy, you know, heavy burden on your life. And I really believe that God wants to remind you that, listen, I, I've done it for you. I got you. When Jesus shed his blood and you ask for forgiveness, it's done. There's nothing you can do. You can't earn God's grace anymore. You can't earn God's love anymore. And I feel like some of us in here are trying to figure out how to earn God's love, but we can't. He already loves us. That's why we can love him back. So I really want those people that, that are battling with this, man, this mindset that I got to do more, I got to do more, I got to do more, just rest in the presence of God. Let your mind rest. Let your heart rest. The Bible says that if you keep your mind on him, he'll give you perfect peace. We got to realize that that's where our lives are going to be transformed and changed is in the presence of God. In the presence of God. Of God. I think the fourth thing Joseph would tell us is don't give up on your dream, even if it takes a long time to realize it. Here's the thing, man. Joseph was a good dude. He's in prison. He interprets some dreams for some people. They tell him, hey, man, when I get out, I got you, my dude, peace. So it goes up, and he tells the dream, he interprets it, all this stuff. Next thing you know, the dude said, that I'm going to tell Potiphar about you. You know, yeah, yeah. A boy forgets all about him. Joseph spends two more years in prison. It's not fair. I don't get it. And look at, man, it took Joseph 23 years 
to realize his dream from the day he got his dream to the day that it actually came to pass. But what about those middle moments? I think that's where a lot of us begin to neglect those middle moments. Joseph had a lot of ups and downs. And I think in our society, man, we want to go from point A to point B. We want to have what God said that we can have right now, but we're, but we're not interested in the process. See, God is more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. Because your character, let me tell you, friends, it's your gifts and talents that are going to get you there, but it's going to be your character that keeps you. It's going to be, I'm going to say it again because I like it. I'm telling myself, it's your gifts and talents that are going to get you there, but it's going to be your character that keeps you. So God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. The fifth thing I think Joseph would tell us is be focused on what happens in you and not to you. When we're going through those tough moments, what is God trying to teach us? Do we ever step back and say, okay, God, I, I really don't understand what's going on. Like, this is what you told me was going to happen. It doesn't look like that. What are you trying to tell me? I think it's in those moments that we got to really examine our heart. Get in the presence of God. I like what, I like what it says here in 1 Peter. It says, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, These trials show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise, glory, and honor on that day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Friends, faith not tested is not faith. Faith without works is dead. So we're going to go through these things. It's going to be hard. Jesus never really promised a life of, of, of rosiness and comfort. And easy. Matter of fact, Jesus said to the contrary, blessed are those who face trials of many kinds, for the kingdom of God is theirs. So we're going to face these hard times in our life, but it's going to be those moments where we're being developed. It's hard, yes. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's fair, but God is developing our character in those moments. And James, James tells us like this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I think sometimes we really get caught up in the thought that I'm not really worth it. We face rejection. We face trial. We think about what we did. We think about the, the reason why we can't do it. Maybe we have, I don't know, character deficiency that God's working on. Whatever the case may be. But I love this series because, again, we're looking at some ordinary people. People that we consider to be heroes of faith. Doing extraordinary things because they serve an extraordinary God. If you think God can't use you sadly mistaken because every one of you in here is no different than these heroes of faith. You are adequate. You are called. You are worth it. I love this, man. If you think God can't use you, Noah, he was a drunk. Abraham, he was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. And Jacob, he was a liar. Leah, she was ugly. 
Joseph was abused and sold by his own family. Moses had a, had a st- st- stuttering problem. Gideon was a punk. He was scared of everything. Samson, he had long hair. Oh, and he was a womanizer. Forgot about that. Rahab was a prostitute. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah, he preached naked. That's a problem. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate grasshoppers. My goodness. Peter denied Christ three times. Disciples, they fell asleep while they were praying. Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Religious. And Lazarus, he was dead. This just goes to show you, it doesn't matter who you are, God has marked you. God wants to use you. The dream that he's given you, don't give up. I believe this is what Joseph would say to us. And here's the thing. No, you can't do it on your own. You don't want to do it on your own. This is where the grace of God comes in. This is where the relationship that you have with Jesus comes in. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I really believe that today the Holy Spirit is really talking on some people's hearts in here. I really believe that today some of you had a dream that you let go. That you gave up on. Because somebody didn't believe in you. Let me tell you something. Your father believes in you. Those tears that you cried by yourself, those paces walking back and forth in your, in your bedroom or wherever you pray, back and forth over and over again, he hears them. He feels your tears. It's those moments that God is building you. I really sense in here this morning that that burden, (laughs) that burden that you're carrying, it's time to, just where you're at, to lay it down at your altar, right where you're at, to let it go. Let God restore that dream inside of you. Because when you have that dream that God has given you, there's a hope. There's a hope for the future. Some of you in here, you may be ready to check out emotionally. You may be ready to check out spiritually. Maybe you already have. Maybe you're even ready to check out physically. I don't know where you're at. Maybe it's something real heavy on you. Just like, I can't take this anymore, God. If one more thing happens to me, God, I'm done. I really believe that God is saying, hold on. I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you bow our heads. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.